What's up, everybody? You're tuned into The Elks Call with The Elks Herd. My name is Scout, a.k.a. The Rep from Section X. And I am Kathy, a.k.a. Do You Even Elks? And we have Luna here, too. <laughs> Apparently, a Thai Cats fan in the house. No. <laughs> uh, today, we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, he is a coach for the Battle River Shock, and he is also a massive Edmonton Elks fan. Ladies and gentlemen, the big P, Steve Pellick, how's it going today? Good, and you guys? We are doing great. Loving Quite it, nervous, so if I suck, it's a collective thing. If you suck, it's also a collective thing. We're good. Hey, that's okay, man. Just like the Elks, right? We go down with our ship. So right. uh, you know, worst case scenario, we're, we're right here with you. We'll be fine. We'll be good. Exactly. So uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Edmonton Elks game, that last one against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then we're going to spin it forward over to tomorrow's game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Going to give you guys an Edmonton sports update, and then we're going to give Steve an interview. So we're <laughs> extremely excited, and let's get the show on the road, Catherine. Yeah, for sure. Let's start with uh, the game. So that was against the Ottawa Redblacks. Yeah. Um, let's start it with the first quarter. I mean, one of the things that I know for sure is that I went into this game with high hopes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know that we had the two teams that were looking for their first win. And, you know, we had had lots of conversations last week, even on the podcast about Deji and how well he played and whether we wanted to see whether that was, you know, just plays on garbage time or if he actually was going to bring it into the game. So it was a little bit of nervousness and excitement. What do you think, Steve? How, what did, right at the beginning, how, what did you go into this game with? I think lots of optimism. I mean, with all respect to both teams, neither one had a good start. And, and just the fact that it seemed like it was an attainable win, right? We'd had some brilliance in the other games, but also like if you look at the game coming from the Toronto one where we were able to offensively put up quite a few, uh, even though that did involve like a uh, quarterback tandem, but we were able to score, right? And I think seeing that against a defense that had people like Peters and everything like that, that for the Argos, to me, if we can put up the 32 or whatever it was. 31. 31? Yeah. Then how can we not put at least 15, 16 on an Ottawa team, right? No, totally. But, but I think like one thing that lots of people aren't – fully kind of taking into consideration is that like Deggy's quite young as well. Right. Oh yeah. So if you're looking at starting someone in a game like that, obviously you have the trust in them, but it is one of those things where it does seem like it's attainable going in. Uh, it doesn't seem like you're putting him up necessarily against like the best defense, best defensive line mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. But you do have like that optimism for it. Right. And like, I think it started off the way you'd think it would, right? The first couple drives are kind of burnout drives, kind of in the sense like people are starting to get the feel, right? Even though uh, Deggy take took first team reps, he's still getting used to the game day feel with his linemen, there being the noise, everything like that, right? So just trying to start the tempo off. So like I wasn't really concerned in the first quarter. 
Um, but we also saw some of the better points in the first quarter, which could have been some of the difficulty points. So as far as like uh, Ely with the sack, well, that mm. was the only sack we saw all game. And mind you, it was a good one. It was a 13-yarder, but it, it felt like even though the slow start, it wasn't necessarily like a lack of momentum or the ability for it to grow up. It, it was just kind of what you'd expect from Edmonton, honestly. Yeah, and I think you started to see a little bit of uh, mistakes from me, the Edmonton Elks too, right? You had players running into each other. We had that uh, pass interference, right, by uh, with number twenty six Lewis that he tried to get it, and the, there was that pass interference, um, lack of man coverage, yeah. if I remember, uh, letting Dubois go in for the touchdown. Anything else that you saw? Uh, it was uh, it was a big case of nerves for Daggy as well, right? And uh, you got to wonder if you know Chris Jones indeed had fully had confidence, which I mean he let him he let him play with the ones, so uh, practice with the ones in the week and then play with the ones. So obviously he had a a, a good amount of confidence in Daggy, but Daggy looked like, especially in that quarter, but for the whole first half, really, he looked like he was uh, suffering from a bad case of the jitters. So he looked like he looked like he was playing in his first start. Uh, well, he, oh, hard. sorry. Oh, if, if you look at it too, like Daggy's arm, lot like he has a strong arm, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, lots of the passes, they were close in the vicinity where they might've been catchable. It might be on the receiver a little bit. It might be on Daggy a bit. But there seemed like there were too many kind of stray rockets at times for there to be able to be like some momentum to build up, right? Rocket Rockets was a really yeah, good point because yeah. you know Stephen Dunbar, and that's where I was telling Catherine as the game was going on. I was mentioning that a lot of his throws were very strong over the yes. head of Dunbar, but mm-hmm. it was also because he wa- he knew that it was a 50-50 ball for Dunbar, and he knew that Dunbar could more than likely get it as long as Dunbar got up and got his hands on it. Unfortunately for Daggy, some of those throws were a little bit too high and a little bit too hard, but he had the right idea. Oh, totally. And it wasn't that they were fully off in the vicinity, right? But if if you're even like a receiver, you're going to catch a rocket differently than mm-hmm. one that's higher up versus lower versus velocity, right? So just the impact, like you could tell, because uh, Mitchell had a couple drops in the first half that maybe shouldn't have been drops. You know, looking at it, but if you look at the second half, those same type of passes he was able to catch, right? Right. So, so it was an overall just like adjustment of trying to get out the gate, right? Yeah, yeah totally. And that takes us to the second quarter because that's exactly that's exactly it, right? We saw that um, Daggy was throwing a little high, throwing to Mitchell, and maybe it was the expectation that Mitchell could jump and catch it, but it didn't really quite get there. So we got that first intercept, right? So it's one of those situations that I don't want to blame anybody, but what is it, right? What is it that made Daigie make those kind of play calls that he decided to throw either bullets or throw a little higher when he wasn't, you know, should he tell me what did he say? Yeah. Like Steve as a, as a football coach, you know, when it comes to that. Thanks Catherine. (laughs) uh, (laughs) It's one of those things where like, honestly, one of, one of the two things that you'll always deal with, Right, like the communication part is so big, right? So if if you look at one, could be just a misunderstanding where you're assuming that hey, this person 
they've got this amount of experience or, hey, I've thrown them these in practice or this is what they like to do or they'll adapt to it. Sometimes there's that misunderstanding, right? And also, like, it's tough to kind of pinpoint that. But, like, if you look at any position, if you – or any team, sorry. The teams that often do best are ones with better chemistry, right? And I guess what I'm trying to say so is, like, you know, if you have an offensive line and you're switching five dudes every game, that's going to be tough. If you are a receiver and you've taken – quality reps from two or three different quarterbacks in the last week and a half, two weeks, three weeks, that could be difficult as well. Right. So if you look at the first half of the game, it's a lot more us trying to get on the same page with our teammates and trying to get the flow going. Right. Cause we, we saw later in the game when Mitchell started catching them, he yeah. was, he was money. Right. When some of the guys saw how the, the throws were happening, like Kyron Moore, mm-hmm. great catch and, uh, and you know, moves after to, to get the first down there. It, it's one of those things where the chemistry is so important and we can't just come out of the gate, think it's going to happen for some people. It's a lot more organic and some people take one drive. Some people, it takes a half, right? Like Daggy starting this game is a lot different than what we saw against Toronto in the sense that you've already, as bad as it sounds, the game's mostly been decided, right? Right. So it's like in baseball where you're trying to still get the win, but then you get pulled, right? It's not that. It's hey, yep. just that, that that game going up to when Deggy went in was basically and not fully on him, but right. Cornelius was the quarterback at the time, right? Yep. So what happened when Deggy went in? It wasn't really that pressure to win, right? It wasn't, uh, and obviously that's what we would have wanted, but it was more so, hey, show us what you've got, right? So when it came to the game, that he's coming from a fully different perspective, right? And I've been part of teams that haven't lost in three years legitimately. And I've been part of teams that haven't won at all. Right. And when you get that momentum going, it's easier to continue. Right. And it's not saying it's easy to keep winning, but you know what? It feels like you have that mindset, you know, the extra things you had to put into it. Right. So it becomes that thing where when the chemistry starts, things are just going to start to fall in order. Right. And it was just, having the expectations on the teammates, right? If they are thinking one way, you're thinking another, it, it doesn't mean no people aren't trying. It's just yeah. a slight misunderstanding on it. Right. And that can be a receiver going 12 yards instead of 15. It can be, Hey, I want the ball at head height and it's four inches taller. It can be lots of different things. Right. So just try yeah. to get that sorted out. That's some great insights. See, and that's that's what it's great about having somebody that you know gets a little bit more of the other side of the picture, right? This is so bad, but like honestly, when I go and watch football games, <laughs> I still watch it as a coach, right? For the most part. And I think that's and that's not saying I would be a happy coach if I saw everything that happened, but it does give you that different insight on it, right? Because like my dad and I will go to the games. Mm-hmm. lots of times and sometimes they'll be the wife but like lots of times when my dad's there he'll be like oh did you see that catch or that throw and i'll be like no i saw the left guard either mow his guy down <laughs> 10 yards right <laughs> like i saw him go down feel it should have been a penalty right like you're yeah. you're thinking that mentality you're like hey there's five linemen but only four are doing their job right like as a coach you're kind of picking up on that right so it, it gives you and each coach is different but for me it gives like more patience with the process right 
Yeah. And I think that's that's a big thing, right? Because we as fans that have absolutely no professional knowledge no. of football and coaching, we see something like that and we automatically get in this defensive mode of what were they thinking? What yeah. was that pass? What was Instead of taking a step back and kind of thinking about everything else that might have contributed to what happened in the field right right which is i mean steve obviously knows but i mean it could be any one of 10 to 20 to 30 different little circumstances mm -hmm. all within that one snap right so like realistically I mean, the fact that plays go off seamlessly at times like if we want to go back to the gino lewis touchdown in edmonton like for everything to work perfectly for every lineman to give enough protection and mind you it was a pretty quick ball but to for everyone to give that same amount to have the chance for it to go deep right the trajectory of the ball to like when stuff happens and it works well it's less likely to happen you know what i mean like yeah. and, and i think that's one of the things that lots of times gets overlooked is 12 guys got to do their job for it to work right <laughs> yeah now, and the second quarter, you know, just putting that into a close was, yeah, we definitely started seeing a lot of that, right? We had another uh, diggy sack. Um, we had the long throw that um, Kyron Moore couldn't hold on yeah. to. Uh, we had a lot of foreman pressure on Diggy that he just couldn't break through. Um, but, and then we also had Adams on the other end. <laughs> Yeah, Tyree Adams. Big big shout out to Tyree Adams for he was he was great. He, he had a great game, honestly. And, and he was able to do it seems like a lot more adaptions that needed to be done for someone making their first start than what Daggy was able to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, let's go into the third quarter. Um, I know as we were watching, everybody was kind of wondering if Cornelius was going to step in for that third quarter. Yeah, that I know he started doing a little bit of warm up and everybody was kind of, you know, wondering if Diggy was going to continue. But what was your take on that? Would you have preferred if Cornelius jumped in or uh, were you happy with how it went down? Well, this is where it's tough, like between like being a fan and a coach, right? So like as a coaching side, I'm glad they rid with them or rode with them. Sorry. And like, if you uh, take the reps during the week, you're preparing, you're getting the confidence, you're starting to build the chemistry, then let it go. Right. And I mean, it, it's tough when you look at the game and not every, like I do not attribute the success or success or failure to any certain person. Right. So I don't think it was Daggy's fault the way they played. You know, and I don't think it was would have been necessarily the right call to pull him either. Yeah. Like, I think, like, when you make that decision to ride with your dog, you do it, right? Yeah. And I think it was a little, like, hit or miss, right? He had that um, throw. It was a great throw to French, and he got our first touchdown, right? And then yeah. right after that, uh, he couldn't get the two-point conversion, um, so I, that two point, if I can speak on it, yeah, yes, do please. So that please. that made me the most angry of the whole game, and, and the reason my thought process is you can go for it when you're starting at the regular spot, right? But when you're moved back to the twelve to thirteen yard line, 
the, the play calls com- has to be completely different, right? If you're nice and close to the end zone, then you've got the quick pass, you've got the handoff, you've got something that's happening a lot quicker and shorter distance, right? And just the flow of the game. I mean, uh, French had an awesome game, <laughs> right? And I think he was six for eight, and then he had the touchdown, mm-hmm. like 70 some or 80 some yards. Like he had, a, he had a good showing, right? And, and he brought that life kind of back into it as a fan, but I would not have. I would have gone for it from two, sure, at the two or three yard line, right? But as after you move it back, you got to kick it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it was it was nice to see some life, right? You saw life. We tweeted about it. We we were hoping hoping against another shutout. That's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) No. I mean, we as long as we aren't getting another shutout. But even then, right? We're talking about point number seven on the road for the season. So the Edmonton Owls have had two away games, and we're talking about seven points. We're talking about how many shutout quarters. The, the stat is out there. Unfortunately, I don't have it on hand, but uh, in the middle of the game, TSN, I believe Glenn Suter, I want to say, uh, had mentioned about the, the shutout streak for the Edmonton Owls. And to think that once upon a time, we were never shut out. We were doing the shutting out. We were shutting out other teams. And I remember one, I think I was here for one of these games here in Edmonton, and it was amazing. But to have that stat brought up, it was a little bit of insult to injury when we're already (laughs) dealing with the current situation as fans. It's like, okay, like, I get it. This team is unfortunately historically bad. Once again, a team effort. And we don't agree with lambasting players or lambasting the organization when they're trying, but unfortunately that that one was a little bit telling. So yeah. Well, well it's tough though. Cause like if you are going to have <clears throat> lots of difficulty at home or be able to not produce at home or not win at home. Right. Cause I mean, as good as it was for uh, the points being scored against Toronto at home and it showed that we had the offense that did not get us a win. Right. So right. if you look at not being able to win at home then the and having difficulty there, then the road needs to be your sweet spot, right? And same goes with if the offense is having a terrible game and can't get anything rolling, you can't get any first downs, well, the only way for you to be able to win is for special teams to be on and for defense to be lights out, right? So the fact that the production on the road is so poor, it, it is concerning. Well, and it is a props to the special teams because in this game, special teams was actually a bright spot. And that's something that we haven't been able to say as fans for a hot minute. It has been a very long time since we've been able to say that special teams actually did their job. And, you know, with Jake Julian, he had some good punts out there. Unfortunately, Dean Faithful didn't even see uh, didn't even see a, a kick well, for, for a field goal anyways. Um, he barely got any action. So... That being said, special teams was the least of our issues in this game. So that's a positive. That's a positive. So fourth, going into the fourth quarter. Then. <laughs> yeah, going in. I mean, the fourth quarter was just the same story. Yeah. Right? It was um, not enough um, consistency, I would say. We would see some really good throws by Daigie just to be followed by, you know, another sack or another intercept or, you know, um, and Adams, again, just continued to make the right moves and he continued to throw the right 
balls or <laughs> make the right throws. And it just, it, it wasn't enough. So well, I think the fourth was a little, a little bit much of the same story of, as what we had seen in the previous quarter. So. No, totally. And Tyree Adams, right? right. <clears throat> we have to give respect where it's due. Tyree Adams playing running gun football. Now today, Jake Serezna find maximum amount for low hit against Tyree Adams, which once again, that's a similar story as to what we've been talking about with this team for the last while now for the for the season. Defensive penalties that drag out the opposition's drives. It's that's a big frustrating point. And Jake Sresna didn't mean to do it. I believe I'm going to quote Jed Roberts here from Twitter. Uh, Jake Sresna is playing in the in the echo of the whistle, so he's playing a little bit after the whistle. He's he's playing on the edge, and unfortunately, he's going over the line just by that you know one millisecond. Mm-hmm. So it's rather unfortunate that it happened to him. He's an all star, of course. People came out lambasting Jake Sresna. Come on, the guy is an all-star. He's a beast. He knows what he's doing. He's a great player. But right now, this team is playing right on the edge. They are playing right there on the edge to the point where they're playing a little bit too desperate. A little Mm -hmm. bit too desperate in the sense that they're making those small slip-ups and getting those those defensive penalties, which it it hurts. It hurts every time (laughs) they get a defensive penalty. It hurts a little bit more, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I think it's tough because uh, you have some people that in the media or, or the fans that are saying, hey, people aren't trying hard enough, right? Like they're not playing with urgency, right? And then you have some people like Serezna that are going right to the edge, right? And it, it's similar like when someone's close to the out of bounds. We had a call for shock where our guy was about two yards inside and we still got the flag and the ref that day said that it was because the guy was headed out. So it was unnecessary. Right. So it's, but that guy did not want to not make the hit in case he didn't go out. Right. So there's that fine line of finding it. And whenever you're playing with a bit of unhinged urgency, uh, that's when things can go sideways pretty quick. Right. That being said, however, I mean, we do have a game coming up tomorrow. <laughs> so the Edmonton Elks are playing against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders tomorrow night at Regina at 7 p.m. Um, we do have some new players that were picked up. Um, yeah, so a uh, new old player in Mike Dibusson, um, linebacker, Brett Boyko on the D-line. He's going to be coming in. And Jordan Reeves linebacker whose brother just so happens to be Ryan Reeves, a uh, heavy hitter down there in the NHL. So uh, very excited. Uh, Mike has the championship pedigree to him. He's a good veteran voice for the locker room. Jordan Reeves, he's a Chris Jones favorite. Uh, good player as well, as long as he's healthy. So we're stoked to see him back. And Brett Boyko, we're excited to see what he's going to do. So that's mm-hmm. Got a couple of guys in injuries. Uh, Woody Apollon, uh, unfortunately, with a knee injury. Andrew Garnett uh, with an abdominal injury. Enoch McConzo out this week with a foot injury. Josiah St. John messed up his hand. It's rather unfortunate. And Jordan Reeves potentially may have an illness. Yeah, so we that don't know. 
That we is very unfortunate. We're, we're really hoping that he does indeed play tomorrow. So so what do you think with that? You know, with these new additions, maybe the injuries, uh, what are your thoughts about the game tomorrow? Well, I think uh, with everyone that's injured, some of the expectations from the fans uh, need to change a bit. But with, with the ones going into uh, tomorrow, I think it sucks that Tanner Green's out quite a bit. Even though he's a friend and I have his touchdown jersey over here. Oh, oh Where, no. wherever. Yeah, behind me. Uh, game Warren. He, he's angry I got it for the deal I did, but that's beside the point. No, uh, I think it's difficult uh, with some of the guys being out, right? And I think just as we talked about getting the chemistry kind of started, right? Even if you know the systems, and I know uh, I saw the thing uh, on the new offensive line they brought in. Uh, just with Boyko, is it? I want to say yeah, Boyko. Yeah. Boyko, yeah. yeah. With him, like he might, he knows the terminology, right? He's used to the play style, the kind of the patterns, just with the similarity with the coaches. Uh, but you still need to get used to the guy that's beside you, right? Yeah. Um, that being said, though, it's football. There's always going to be those injuries that happen, right? There's always going to be the adjustments that need to be made. But I do like Reeves coming back, right? I think that's. Uh, a high point and I do have allegiance to certain people on the team. So the offensive <laughs> line, uh, I'm not going to mention names, uh, but, but with you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But with you, but with the, uh, it is good to see that there are trying something new as well. And I don't mind them sticking to the, to the ratio on the line so they can use it elsewhere as well. So I, I think it's just a little bit of shifting ground, but, but I do think we'll, we'll see a decent performance tomorrow. Yeah, I think for myself, I have a little bit of uh, guarded optimism, right? Yeah. I think I'm hoping that maybe something registered with last game that we will be able to see a little bit of changes, maybe more cautiousness, maybe a little bit more mindfulness in some of the plays. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's my hope. I'm guarded about it. Oh, <laughs> oh sorry. Um, I'm, but yeah, we'll see. What are, what are your thoughts, Scout? Uh, for tomorrow's game, we played well against Saskatchewan last year. Cornelius likes playing in Saskatchewan. So that's that's the good news. That's something to be optimistic about because if he does have that, you know, kind of familiar feeling and good vibes coming from that stadium, this may actually be the turning point for us. And, I mean, football teams have bad games, right? We have to remember. The Edmonton Elks, well, they – have had bad games so far this season, the Edmonton Elks are also going to have a good game. And maybe Saskatchewan has a bad game. I'm going to be, once again, just like you said, cautiously optimistic about the game tomorrow. While I do believe we can win it, I'm uh, I'm just, I'm a little bit doubtful. Little bit doubtful. <laughs> but I hope tomorrow morning. I mean, at this point, you know, let's, there's a difference between lambasting and being realistic. Yeah, I think it's okay to be realistic about it, right? We're not sure. We're unsure. We don't know how things are going to go. You can still have hope. You could still be optimistic, but still maybe check your expectations a little bit. So yeah, yeah, we're not also doing it. Doesn't ruin your day. <laughs> no, we're not going to go ahead and uh, expect a win out of this team right now. But at the same time, we're going to wake up. We're going to put on the double E hat for work. 
We're going to go do our jobs. We're going to celebrate the green and gold tradition that is known as game day in Edmonton. And we're just going to enjoy watching football tomorrow night. And then uh, the turnover and then next week's edition of the Elks call. We'll see what happens uh, after the game. But yeah, it's it's Stay it's tuned. we're just going to be uh, thankful that it's another game day in the CFL and especially at I, I do think uh, with some of the players as well, like they they feel that it's their time coming. And if, if you uh, heard the interview with Cornelius uh, from yesterday or today, one of those days, uh, just him getting back in the saddle and kind of being in control again, it, it does sound like he's quite motivated and, and quite driven uh, with him going from starter to not really seeing the field. Right. So, I do think there is kind of that thing where there is that charge and there is the intensity there. And we'll just have to see if that's able to properly work itself out tomorrow. Well, exactly. And one of my biggest points or biggest, I guess, I guess one of my biggest um, thoughts over the last week, right. Is Taylor Cornelius worked his butt off in the off season to be a starter in this league. So everybody that's out here lambasting Taylor Cornelius uh, for however many reasons or whatever the reasons may be, they have not looked at how much this guy has actually worked to be in that starter's position. And that's where I was kind of going earlier. Like was Daggy maybe put in just to, just to shut up the fans or to actually give Daggy a genuine shot. I mean, the truth Truth is more than likely the football reason, but you do have to wonder because everybody was screaming for Daggy. Everybody thought it was uh, Taylor Cornelius's. Uh, I th- they were putting it on Taylor Cornelius to a degree, right, or to a to a major degree. And in our opinion, <clears throat> it wasn't necessarily fair how much Taylor Cornelius was being thrown out there as as the problem of the team. Yeah. And I think the biggest tell was when we got out of watching that game and we said Biggie looked like Cornelius. Yeah. Like what does that tell you? Right? Is if if you get a glimpse of what a player can do and then suddenly the entire game changes, right? Is it like it, it can't just be Cornelius himself that is the problem, right? No. It's suddenly no. we're getting a player that we had such high hopes and we saw such amazing plays suddenly make the same mistakes if you can call them that right so it, it's just a little food for thought right when you walk out of there being like oh maybe cornelius wasn't the problem yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. well yeah. right it, right it's one of those things where you, you can't get a playoff if you can't get the ball snapped right and then you can't get a throw off if you don't have the protection you can't make the catch if you don't have the receivers right it's that combination of it working together and i mean it is tough for like Daggy to be put in that role, right? And one of the things I was thinking this week is you've got that shorter kind of week and then you're going to get someone to start their first start, right? On the road as well, right? So you have the extra travel, everything involved, right? And obviously he's taking some reps in practice doing it, even like if it's with the practice roster, but you're still doing the same plays, right? So you're still getting some of it in, but like, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm still behind Cornelius. And I mean, if you look at who we have on the roster. If people say we need a veteran, well, frankly, we don't really have one, right? As far as if we're looking at um, 
a Michael Riley kind of type or a boat, right? Like we don't have someone that's been around the league that's established and that can make stuff happen all the time. Right. And at the same time, like if you're looking at game experience, not just like the veteran presence, but the game experience, we're also kind of limited. Right. And if you look at Cornelius, he's by far had the most pro experience. And just, I do believe that there is the different mindset from the different levels as well. And it does take some people a bit more time to adjust, but I think Cornelius is your best shot right now as the primary. Yeah. Well, we'll see. He's starting. So we'll definitely get a really good look at that uh, tomorrow in the game. And we will approach it with cautious optimism and see where it goes. But uh, for now, let's move on to our next um, section segment. segment. There you go. That's the word. The Edmonton sports update. (laughs) So for today's Edmonton sports update, we're going to give you the news. That's (laughs) the sports news from around Edmonton, Alberta. The Edmonton river Hawks took on team Alberta today and ended up winning in a seven, nothing fashion. They will be back at home on Friday. Uh, at Remax Field, uh, we don't quite have the opponent lined up as what of you, right now. What are you doing with the voice? <laughs> this, 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 this is my TSN, my TSN twelve sixty. I'm really I trying to it. just, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyways, the Edmonton Stingers are down right now at the Hive, going against the Calgary Surge at half. We are sitting at a score of 41 to 34 for Calgary. And then tomorrow we have the Edmonton Elks taking on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders down at Mosaic Field. Kickoff is at 7 o'clock, and we're hoping for an Elks win. That's your Edmonton Sports Update. You're up to date. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now now we have characters in this podcast, too. (laughs) Trying. We tried. Shout out to Matthew Awanek. We will (laughs) get Uh, you're up to date there. <laughs> yeah, in the next segment, now we get to know a little bit more about Steve and who he, who Steve is, and what he does. Who is makes, Steve? Who is Steve? Who is this Steve? <laughs> um, I am a. Oh, you're not ready by the looks of it. Well, is that the question? I, I was told I was being asked questions. I, I don't know which is the question, which is like a rhetorical question. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> getting really excited and you ran with it i mean this is why you're here man this is fantastic uh okay so officially this segment is known as the more you didn't know today we're gonna go ahead and interview steve pellick and ask him six scalding questions question number one how did you become a fan of the green and gold steve so this goes back quite a while so Growing up, I spent lots of time at my grandma's house and, you know, just would go there all the time on the weekends and the evenings. And we actually used to just listen to the games on the radio for the longest time. Right. So it became one of those things that whether we were at the house or in the field, because uh, my grandparents were farmers, we'd be able to listen to the game. Right. So that would be part of it. But also uh, we had... Gizmo come to our elementary school way back. And I remember that being really cool because one, you hear about all the touchdowns on the radio, you see the highlights on TV. 
Uh, but it was cool because we live in Red Deer. So for to have someone from the sports world come down, it's not like it is now where people always come down, right? So that was really cool. So probably meeting Giz helped quite a bit of it. But uh, being with Grandma, you learned pretty quick that you weren't going to cheer for Calgary. And that's how it all started. Especially when you're in Red Deer, right? Right in the yeah. middle. Yeah. <laughs> it's ABC or it's ABE. It's one of the two one down one there, right? The well, it can, it can be both in a marriage, too, just so you're aware. But <laughs> my, my stance is anything but Calgary. So There you go. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, this is the way. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm not going to say I'm always right, but we'll leave <laughs> it there. Now, we'll see. We'll Thank leave it there, yeah. <laughs> so seeing that you know you have a long history of watching um double e games which one would be your favorite do you have a memory of your favorite game uh i do actually so there, there was a few uh, i remember one of the playoff games this is way back and i can't remember the year but uh it when sean fleming decided to do the fake or if they told fleming to do the fake Oh, it, yeah. it was it was deep in Edmonton zone, and I remember people started throwing actual like snowballs around uh, when it happened. But but my favorite one uh, would have to be when AJ Gas ripped the helmet off and tossed it. And I think part of it is because of you know the opponent, but also kind of like as a kid, someone doing that seemed crazy, right? Yeah. I could see that. I, I could see that, especially for a kid. I mean, oh, I have yeah. my two boys, and if they see something crazy like that happening, they they automatically get excited and they want to know more. So. <laughs> oh, totally. It's like I thought there were rules, but now this guy's doing something that's against the rules, <laughs> right? So it's like if he's going against the rules, that's cool. I want to be like him, right? And it was just such it for it to happen in a game against Calgary. That that was huge back then, right? That that's what. The rivalries growing up were on. No, that's that's amazing. So that being said, that means that you've been, you know, in a couple of sections in Commonwealth Stadium. Right now, you're situated in B2. What makes Section B2 special to you? I, I think one of the cool things, and I need to do a better job at uh, interacting with them all, but you do have lots of the same kind of groups that are coming right you do have the same uh season ticket holders that have been there quite a while uh but i just like having the bird's eye view kind of right and i mean we, we've sat different spots last game i think we sat i think it was we were invited to be in section t i want to say so we we're pretty close to you guys and it, it is a different perspective but i mean there's that one that always feels like it's the normal and the right one right and being in b2 uh, the sun's normally not on you as bad as the other side as well, which helps, but j just the atmosphere and all the memories of the games really kind of accumulate uh, when you're up there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good view. Uh, we, we make it up there every once in a while. Uh, so, I mean, I, I definitely prefer to watch the game from up there. Uh, for us, the reason why we're in the spot that we are is because we need to make the noise, get in the players' ears, and uh, give it to the players and try to try to make as much noise as possible from row six. Now, real quick, everybody's coach Vic has entered the chat. 
He said, Steve, you're watching the game more than the players. That was a little bit. We were hey, Vic, if I, if I can shout out my friend Vic. Uh, we've known each other for a long time and coached together. Vic, I honestly want, or started watching the game against Ottawa. I had it recorded. And I actually stopped it and rewinded it a few times. So I basically, I, I was watching it like game film, Vic. And, and that's the tough part. <laughs> that's, that's when you know that you're watching it as a coach rather than as a fan. We well, that first uh, run play, we'll just say that. There's certain people that were doing pass protection, which isn't going to help Brown out at all, right? So I, I did pick up on a few things. Yeah. And he says that he does too. He totally coaches the game. So, I mean, th that must be a coaching thing. Yeah, well, from you know, one coach to another. From yeah. one coach to another. It's honestly, it's, it's like all jokes aside, it's very difficult to watch a sport uh, the same way once you've been coaching for as long as like Vic or myself have, right? In the sense that you're not just watching for the big plays that might make the highlight real. You're just watching it all like overall. Right. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, we sit there and we think that we are coaches as we're judging the game yeah. as it's happening. I couldn't imagine we, if we were actually coaches. Yeah. Right? So. We, we are definitely not coaches. <laughs> I mean, we do not know what we're talking about. And then, you know, once again, you yourself, you are a coach. So, uh, that's why we love your insight on our that being said if i can just interject real quick uh like even though we kind of pick up on points as coaches that are also fans and that are coaches there is lots of times where i might see something that someone else might see right and uh but there is at that same time there is that respect for it too right so when we see lots of people whether it's media fans just going off on certain people, whether it's play calling. If you ask people in Edmonton, most people would say they play call it differently offensively. Now, if you ask them how they would do it, that's where it happens. Right. So, I mean, it, the respect is there as kind of like the coaching brethren kind of, because I mean, you've, you've had plays that you thought were going to work that didn't depth chart decisions that you were, Hey, this is, this horse is weak. We're going to make it work and it doesn't happen. Right. So like, for me, it's very difficult for me to be overly critical about the coaching because I know I've made calls where they shouldn't have been made and they sucked. And I've made play calls that shouldn't have been called and then they still work. And then you almost look like a genius. And you're like, no, like <laughs> this was not what we were trying to do, but Hey, it worked. Right. <laughs> so <clears throat> that being said, um, what would be your favorite part about Edmonton Elks game days. Do you have any routines? Do you have any traditions? Do you have anything that happens on game days? Uh, it kind of changes every once in a while. Like, believe it or not, last game against Toronto was the first time I ever went to tailgate in all the years. And, and the reason is, is if we go to the game day experience, plus I still need that keychain, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to be on a podcast. I want the gold one, okay? Oh, yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you. Okay. Each man, one of each, my friend. Perfect. And I'll use both of them. Uh, but no, if you look at the reason why we haven't gone to many is because of our routine, right? So lots of times, uh, until some player acquisitions that happened recently, it, for the most part, it was my dad and I going to the games, right? So for that, we would always either park and ride the LRT for a long time at like the Butterdome because it was five bucks to park on 
after five or on the weekend, take the LRT to the game. Or, or right now we're kind of doing the, uh, the new Davies lot. So the Davies transit center or whatever, but, but we like to kind of get their park and ride kind of on the South end of town or closer to just cause it, it's tough when you have a Thursday, eight o'clock kickoff mm-hmm. and you have to work on a Friday in red deer. Right. So, right. but yeah, tradition for me, like the experience is everything. Right. And if you talk, sometimes people will say that maybe the in-game experience isn't what they're expecting or lineups or the food or whatever the case is. To me, it's a bit of everything, right? So, I mean, the game day experience, it has to do with seeing other fans that you haven't seen or you only see on game day, right? It has to do with walking from the LRT or the bus to your seat and what might happen then going to the team store, right? Having the pretzels and being angry because (laughs) <laughs> they were out of like the sauce or whatever, right? Like to me, it's so much more than a game. It, it's that experience, right? And whether it's with a friend of yours or it's a season ticket holder beside you or or a loved one or whatever, whoever it is, or kids, it, it's about building the memories, there, right? And I know lots of the fun, like lots of the times, the conversations that you have in the in the stands wouldn't have happened if you weren't at the game. Right. Yeah. And it just helps build it. Right. Yeah. And real quick to add on that. Sorry. Like uh, it was cool with the experiencing like the tailgate and everything. Right. Cause you have all these people that at the end of the day, they love the game. They love their team. Right. Obviously Toronto fans want Toronto to win and you'd be disappointed if they thought otherwise. Right. <laughs> like when people are like, Oh, don't you want to win at home, but you can win next week. Hey, I want you to want your team to win, right? Like I want that competitiveness. I want you to be dialed in. I want them to do well for you. But having that whole uh, like CFL family, right? And and it's cool because when you go places, uh, I met a few people from Toronto that because of their great cup run and a friend being on the team last year, you did have lots of like connections from last year, right? So meeting uh, Elliot and Adam and them was really cool, right? And that's part of the experience, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And like for us, we were extremely excited to see you guys down by uh, by our tailgate spot at number 44. But you said you're going to have pork. You said you were having pulled pork. And you know what? Food's the thing that'll make me come the quickest. So, hey, we, we were ex- make anybody show up. Well, and I think you also had the best pictures, too, out of anybody at uh, at our tailgate spot at Speaker's Corner. We're pretty sure that you had the most beautiful pictures out of anybody and it's just because of those pulled pork sandwich poses those hey well shout, shout out to elliot because we met each other like three hours before maybe there you go. right and it and yeah. you're like okay hey, it's gonna take four pictures it's like the quick like four seconds or eight seconds in between it's like what do we do and you know what I, i'm not mad at how they turned out I, i'm quite impressed and now you have a really good friend too yeah. Well, and it's super funny too because everybody gets froze by it, right? When you go, okay, it's going to take four pictures. They're like, I just want to take one picture. I don't know what to do with the other three. And Steve's like, I know burger poses. We're doing the sandwich poses. So, yeah, shout out Elliot. Shout out you, Steve, for that. Well, well, shout out your. I, we were also trying to do like an unpaid commercial. You know what I mean? Like, hey, pulled pork is here. So, so you know what? It was mutually beneficial. It was good. 
Well, hey, next time, I mean, there's two versions, right? We do have the video version and then the, the photo booth version. Right. So we do have a one-minute video uh, that counts down and uh, records automatically and saves and everything. So next time you're down, um, we'll... What are we going to do? Are we going to do kebabs? Are we looking at some kebabs? Sure or slice tenderloin? I think... Yeah. Let me know and we'll make our way over. There you go. There you go. Yeah, the kebabs we may save for the alouettes because we'd want to do chicken kebabs. So Oh, that's just No, that that would be a good theme meal. <laughs> as they might call it. Uh, hey, it's better than bringing KFC. Uh no 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 shame to anybody in the tailgate that uh, brings KFC as their tailgate eats, by the way, because Please. I'll go over there and eat some of that too. Uh, number five, Steve. What is your favorite part about coaching football? That's that's quite easy, but it's tough at the same time. For me, it's for it to be, yeah. You got me. No, not quite. Um, it's about being relational, right? And if you look at everything that happens to people on the outside, like outside of the field, you can't necessarily dictate it, right? You can't necessarily affect what happens directly at school. But my whole idea has been if you can provide a safe environment with like a healthy alternative, and by healthy alternative, basically, I mean just for your mental state and physical state, right? You have the, you have the football side, but also having to learn plays, the social side needing to play well, kind of with others, right? Like for me, it's the relationships. And I mean, o over time, you kind of notice that there are some coaches, unfortunately, that don't put as much emphasis onto the relational side. And it's especially at the minor level where it's either about like we're winning and we're winning right now. Well, if that doesn't happen, then you didn't really build the people up or anything, right? So it's about giving people a good experience, but it's cool when you have your wedding and you have people that are former players that are in like your wedding party, right? Or that you have people that will give you a call regardless of what they're doing, right? And I mean, like... It was cool a couple of years ago because I did have two players that I formerly coached. One uh, signed undrafted into the NFL and then one got drafted by Toronto. Uh, so Carter O'Donnell and Theron Churchill. And, and for me, that was kind of cool, right? But, but even cooler than that is to still have the relationship with the people, right? And it doesn't matter if they're pro athletes or if they're people that are working part-time at any kind of job, right? If I say Walmart, someone's going to get mad in a boat, right? So it could be, or McDonald's, someone's going to say, I work at McDonald's. What does that mean? Right. But the whole thing is, is having those relationships that over time, you knew that they felt safe. Right. And I mean, I've stopped suicides and, and I know I have, right. And it's not saying that that's a great feat to have, but for people to care enough to trust to you about stuff. Right. And I mean, I've called cops on former players, right. After years of them playing just cause, Hey, they're in a tough spot or, Hey, this isn't right. Right. It, it's about those relationships and building stuff up. Oh, that's uh that's huge. That's huge. And uh, like, that's a big one. We really, really appreciate you sharing that. But it, when they say that football is family or CFL family, mm -hmm. right. See the hashtag out there, people talking about it. 
it's great having your story because you're you're the hard proof that football is indeed family and especially for what you do for the football community here in alberta central alberta here in edmonton uh you're you're a big piece to the puzzle so i mean we thank you for that yeah and that's just it a lot of people you know outsiders will only see football as a game right it, they don't necessarily see that that point of view when football is a lifestyle or football is a way of life or football is a lifeline right, yeah. for a lot of people right it's tough because like people are going to experience football differently right and i knew for me like football back in high school was actually what got me through to graduate right and football got me in trouble in the sense that that's how they figured out I wasn't going to my classes, right? The football coach at the time found and was like, hey, you need to fix this, right? And just having the support along the way from countless coaches and knowing that the impact, although you're not with them for a long period of time necessarily, it, it can be quite intense. And just knowing that the help that I've received from it, uh, it would be a waste, honestly, if I didn't give back somehow, right? And unfortunately, sometimes you bite off a lot more than you should. But it be, does become a way of life for you, right? Definitely. That's beautiful. <laughs> to close it off, um, what would your message be to Edmonton Alex fans that right now are going through a current rough patch? I, I think... The main thing is we need to support the team and we need to support the players, right? And it and people can say whatever they want about certain people or certain decisions or anything. But at the end of the day, pe people are trying to do the best they can, right? And this isn't trying to blow smoke or gain favorites or anything like that. If we see that there's something that's not right, guarantee there's another dozen people that, that are in the organization that are feeling the same way, right? Oh. And with us as fans, like the ownership has different jobs than the coaches do, which the players are different, which the media are different, which the fans are different. And, and lots of times, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this, but sometimes we forget that we're the fan. And we try and insert ourselves and say, hypothetically, if I was in this spot, this is what I would do. Or as a coach, they should be doing this. Or as a person like on Twitter or whatever, you can see, take a media's perspective of it, right? Like for us, we need to be able to support the team and, and remember that football is entertainment. And, and as bad as it sounds to say that when we're on like a podcast about sports, yeah. these people are still human beings they've still got families they still have mental health to deal with right that yep. they still have the expectations they know that our expectations right but as fans if we want our team to succeed and the market to succeed and for things to get better we need to be better as a whole right and that's not saying that you can't have your opinions on stuff and i'll be the first one to say that but there are ways to kind of go about telling people about it. Right. And, and lots of times too, the stuff that we're thinking, it's not even worth repeating. Right. Yeah. And, and if you look at, and we talked before uh, we went live on this, but we, we kind of had a general expectation and ours was quite close of how we thought 
Edmonton should perform this year, right? And, and we talked about how some people were so used to in, instant gratification that some people want, hey, we need to win at home now. We need to have the top quarterback. We need to have everyone healthy. We need to sell out all that stuff, right? If we are trying to move forward, we need to take it in pieces, right? And we talked about how we would love to be in the Grey Cup. We would love to be at the top of the West. But the reality of it is, is that we were coming off a three-win season and a four-win season, right? So if we put that into perspective, if we're saying, hey, a 500 is a good mark or a 7 and 11, then we need to keep our expectations in check with that. Right. And, and there's, there's not many more people than us or the Elks fans that would love to see a home win. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the t- the day, I don't even see it as the 0 and 19. And when, when they were playing it against, or when we were playing in Ottawa, they brought up the fact that we hadn't won in 19 games at home. And I think they brought it up like five times. And, and the first thing I did was cuss. And then the second thing I, I I or I thought was why are they bringing this up? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. become it's become the laughing stock, and for good reason. But it's a road game, right? Like so, as fans, I don't look at it as we're nineteen winless games at home. I look at it that we're we've lost two home games and we're zero and four, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you've spent any time coaching, you have players all the time that will come up to you and they'll have made a mistake or whatever, or maybe their pass protection wasn't as good as it should have been. And, and they'll come off frustrated. And how do you encourage them? You let them know that, Hey, that plays over. We're on to the next one, right? It's one play at a time. It's one down at a time. It, instead of us expecting to be the next great cup champions or be undefeated at home, let's start with a couple wins and honestly, with the team that we have, we've got players that once we start clicking, we can get some momentum, right? So, I mean, we need to make sure that, one, our expectations aren't crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and even as a diehard, well, if people say like, oh, well, you should want your team to great, win the Great Cup or you're not a fan. That doesn't mean I don't want them to. You know what I mean? We're just talking about realistic expectations. Yeah, we just need one win at a time here. Let's be <laughs> right? real. And, that, and that's what it is, right? And even even if you look at it, like once a receiver starts catching balls, he might have dropped four, but after he starts catching them, they start to build the confidence, right? Yeah. So as fans, we need to help build the confidence in the players, right? And I think that's why it's important. Like we talk about the good as well, right? So Maurice French last game, he had uh, – Shannon Brooks with the two carries for, I think it was like a 6.5 average or whatever it was. Right. And I mean, it wasn't a lot, but you do see some brilliance. Right. And then when uh, Julian made the good old Sean Fleming tackle, right. Where he took him out, right. To, to, to stop the touchdown. Like those are positives. Right. And it, if you go through life, always focusing on the negatives, you're never going to enjoy the positives, right? No, that's totally it. I mean, uh, Cosmic Rhubarb here in the chat, a.k.a. Leanne, I believe. Uh, I'd like my team to work together first before worrying about a win. And that's a very, very good point because when you have instances like the uh, Kai Loxley fiasco on the sidelines, when we have a very visibly obvious O-line issue, 
uh, once again, where, you know, sometimes you have those missed routes. This team needs to get the chemistry. This team needs to figure that out on the field for themselves in practices and in games. As much as we would love to be the coach and the GM, there's a reason why I'm a refrigeration mechanic. There's a reason why <laughs> Catherine is a director. There's a reason why you're a football coach. I mean, there's a reason why we have our own jobs in our own fields. We came to you today, Steve, for this information because we aren't coaches. We yes. want proper insight from somebody that actually does that role. Albeit, you know, not for the CFL. You've just won three championships back to back to back. So you know something about winning football, Steve. <laughs> well, it's actually five in if we count year-round. So they're spring and fall. But, but to, to kind of go off of that, though, I spent lots of time having losing seasons as well, right? And if you if you worry about the outcome at the end of the year all the time, and, I mean, it's always kind of in your mind of, hey, we've got four games left, our opponents are in the standings, wherever they might be. But if you take that big approach, you're not going to succeed, right? It's, hey, how can we do the simpler stuff better? How can we create confidence? And confidence creates competence, right? And as time flows and, and the relationships build, I, I think we'll be fine. I think lots of people are just angry because if you look at our seasons after COVID, the best season we had was like 200, right? Yeah. And yeah. you just have people want the wins, right? But that being said, you can't tell me anyone in the Elks organization doesn't want them as well, right? And that's just it. I mean, the way that I see it is that we have to bring objectivity into this, right? Realize that, as you said, we have no say and no part in the organization and the way that they run the organization. And I'm pretty sure every single player is aware of how they are playing. Every single GM, every single coach, every single owner is aware of everything that is happening in the field. They're not running blind to it. But by us fans adding negativity onto it and putting our opinions onto it, that is just adding fuel to the fire for no reason. At the end of the day, we're fans. We should be objective. We should recognize that it's not our job yeah. to tell them how to play or tell them how to run the organization. We're here to cheer them on and hope for the best, really. Oh, well, totally. And if you, if you look at like some, like uh, before you used to have, media would have a stats and lots of people would always be against whatever the media had to say, right? And, and you would you would expect the media to have a bit more kind of gloves off approach to it, right? And that's fully fair because it's the media, right? But as fans, I've seen that lots of them are starting to side with the negativity, right? And that's not saying the media is always negative, uh, but we are seeing like that kind of shift, right? And I know just as much as you know that we're tired of losing, mm -hmm. but it, we, we can't focus on our failures or the team's failures over and over if we want to move forward, right? Like, we need to change the mindset. And if we have that mindset of, oh, we can't win at home, chances are you're not going to win at home, right? If you have that mindset of, hey, this uh, this coach can't do it a certain way or this player is not performing a certain way, they've peaked, they'll never be able to, 
Well, if, if you're one of those people that thinks that you can't be mad when it goes that way, right? It's, it's fully a mindset thing. And, and for me, football means too much. And the idea of the relationships means too much for me to want to jump on that train to just constantly remind someone that they've made a mistake or they're not up to the expectations and just harping and hammering the same null and void thing over and over. Well, and, and especially with us being social media aficionados, I suppose, um, we know how easy it is to find information. We can, we can go ahead and search anything we want and we can find it instantly as if the players also can't find this information extremely easily. Right. I mean, Ed Ganey, uh, we're going to speak about it on here publicly. Ed Ganey went into the Edmonton Owls Facebook group and told everybody to stop the lambasting because he was sick of seeing the team completely being destroyed by the fans, right? Being called pathetic, uh, fans coming after certain players, fans going after other fans. And we we try to be extremely positive in this fan base, with this fan base. We're all going to have a bad day. A game day can be a bad day, yeah. but it's about what you do the next day and how you react that defines who you are yeah. and what you're doing. So when you have all of these fans specifically coming after players, or specifically going after coaching, which you can you can agree to disagree on the coaching. You're allowed to disagree with the players' field. You're allowed to disagree however you want. But to come at the players and say that they aren't trying, they're just out there to make a paycheck when we're sitting in Section X, we're sitting in Row 6, and we can see the players visibly frustrated in the third quarter. What are the odds? Mm -hmm. But in the third quarter, they're, they're frustrated. They're visibly frustrated, and they're starting to give up on the plays. There was two and a half quarters before they started to feel like that. There was two and a half quarters where the fans cared. There's two and a half quarters where the players were trying their all to get that home win. So we see it. You you see it, Steve. We all see it. And, and they see it. And they, they see it. And they see more than what <laughs> the fans believe. So a massive PSA to all of our Edmonton Elks fans that are listening to the Elks call right now. Episode two. The fans see what you or uh, the fans, the fans write all of this stuff and the players are going to see what you write. So fans, beware. The players, the coaches, the president, uh, the, the Christine or the store clerk, I'm sure that she's on, on, on Twitter and on Facebook as well, reading everybody's negative comments. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about sports, when we're talking about entertainment, mm -hmm. just like Steve mentioned in the beginning of this, this is entertainment. We are living in the world of sports entertainment. Your team's not always going to win. Your team's not yep. always going to lose. Winnipeg went ahead and had a heck of a season last year, and they lost the Grey Cup. Winnipeg lost the Grey Cup after being hands-down favorites. Imagine being a Winnipeg fan in that moment. Now, obviously, they had two championships right before that, so it probably didn't feel that bad. But you are going for dynasty. Right now, Winnipeg's going for dynasty. That is a mission of its own. So Winnipeg is going to be frustrated over every loss because every loss may not mean dynasty. We're going to be upset over every loss because it means that, in general, we lost. But we're all going to go through different motions as CFL fans. Right now, Edmonton Elks fans are going through the motions of zero home wins and so far zero wins on the season. So 
if we want to get extremely negative right now at game number, we're going into game number four, going game number four, right? If, game number five. Okay, so we're going into game number five. And if we're going to get that extremely negative at this point when we are not even a third of the way through, then it's going to be a very, very long season for you as a yeah. CFL fan. So you have one of two choices. You can either be extremely frustrated about everything right now and and let it ruin every day or let it ruin every outlook on Edmonton Elks and Edmonton sports right now. Or you can just go ahead and take it for what it is. It's sports entertainment. We're all here. We're all going to be cheering for our team on game day, whether it be a win or a loss. We're going to be writing about it. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to do an Elks call episode on it. We're we're going to treat it just like every other game week. And hopefully we're going to be cheering because hopefully we get a win against the stubble jump in Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> well, and that's just it. Everybody's frustrated. We're all frustrated. Yeah. We all get it. Right. It's we're not taking. Um, what's the word that I was using? You still need to have some sort of. Um, like you, you got to know that there is something wrong with whatever whether it's a team or management or coaching or the players we all know it it's not our job to just be total a-holes about no and don't try to make it your job right (laughs) don't try to make it your job that was close Catherine. that was close we almost got demonetized (laughs) i tried (laughs) but i think that's that's just the point of it everybody's entitled to their opinions everybody's entitled to uh whatever it is that they're feeling but when you are dragging other people down now it becomes a different issue right now that's something that not only brings negativity as a community as a whole yeah. but you're also affecting the team negatively because they're seeing that and they're making it they're that's bullying really when yeah. you think about it right would you say the same thing to a 12 year old or an 11 year old in a team that is not performing perfectly it's not pro sports sure but you're still throwing negativity towards a person, a human being. <laughs> well, it's funny though, because like with coaching, when someone doesn't do what's expected or how it fails, whatever you want to call it, in your head you might be being like, "Wow, this guy really sucked at that on that play," right? But for me to say that in that exact mindset, with the exact wordings that myself and maybe another coach that saw it say that to the kid that way that's not going to motivate them that's not going to make them feel better that's not going to make them feel welcome so instead of us being like hey this person sucks right well people have good points to the game right it wasn't always a trash game we had some good parts to it right but like you can't instead of always taking the negative side of hey this person can't do this what can they do right and just putting that positive spin to it, or maybe they could try this, right? It's for coaching because I'm at 13 years year round, I think. So I do two or three teams a year, depending on the year. I'm never home. Uh, but between that and what I do for work now, which is an EA in Red Deer at one of the high schools. So I do deal with lots of like behavioral type issues. Mm-hmm. There's ways to approach things, right? And for, and I want to make this clear, like, for me being optimistic and trying to spin a good light of how the Edmonton organization, whether it was 
Eskimos or Elks as or the Edmonton Football Club, which was weird because it sounded too soccery. Uh, but regardless, like what it means to me, right? And you can't just be negative about it, right? If you are going to say, hey, they can't do this, it's going to change your mindset, right? And looking at it, there are positives and they are people, right? And Ganey speaking up was huge. And I think it's an ongoing kind of sentiment with some people where, hey, like they do hear it, but other people like are just going after it, right? And knowing that there's still people behind their jobs, right, is huge, right? And knowing when to say stuff or not say stuff, there's ways to do it, right? You might say something to a kid, but you're trying to build them up at the end of the day, right? And it's not saying we're happy with the losing record at home. We're happy with the stupid jokes or the way certain media outlets kind of spin stuff or not knowing, like I joke with my dad all the time. I'm like, what are we going to do when we went at home? We don't know what to do. Yeah. Right? Like and yeah. having jokes like that, we're not fully happy with everything. Right. But at the same time, if the fans are not going to support each other and stick together and protect their franchise and the players, who's going to do it. Right. And, and if you look at the media, that's not their job to protect the, the team. Right. If you look at people that don't care, that just watch the NFL and they say, oh, CFL sucks. Like, for every tweet that I put out, like, people legit have been getting, like, more ignorant. I'll say is the proper word, right? Where you'll write something, and I was like, about the game, I was like, how can you not love this game? And someone wrote, well, because it's the CFL, right? I'm like, well, yeah. right? And, like, keep it, right? Like, keep your stuff to yourself, right? Like, the players want to hear us cheer, right? We do not want to. Players don't want to hear booze, right? And if you look at it from any coaching side or anyone that's worked any job, really, it, if you decide to do something a certain way, that's maybe not what you're told to do, right? So management has their job to do their stuff, and then they trust the coaches to get the coaching staff, right? And then, and there's the coordinators, the coaches, the players. It goes down the units. It goes down the whole way, right? So for us to be mad at any position in specific uh for instance if we were mad with the linebackers and i'll, I'll speak on defense because i know nothing about it okay uh, i'm an offensive guy but uh maybe they were told to run the play a certain way maybe the coverage was slated to go that way right maybe they were told hey there's emphasis on the uh the run block or the the rushing for the run right maybe there's so many factors right so for us to be like hey why isn't this working? Or, Hey, I would do it better. That's easy to say, but like, to be honest, if lots of people made the decisions that Jones and his staff are making, they would be like the, the coaching version of like Pinterest fails. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you try and make something and you're just like, it's still a cookie. I think it's still edible. Right. Or like, Hey, I think it's still a wreath. What is this? Right. Like there's so many factors, right? So as fans, we, we need to st stick together, right. We're still in, able to have our own opinions and, and i honestly welcome people that whenever like i hate when people just say something dumb but if hey if you can back it up with stats or reasoning i'm all here for it right but as far as just the opinions that are negative they're not going to improve the situation right and if we can have our players feel that 
regardless of what the attendance is or the record is or what any of the other issues might be that, Hey, we're still here to support you. Right. Like I'm like you said, you're still going to wear your elk stuff tomorrow at work. I'm still going to be wearing my stuff, watching it on TV. Right. Win, lose, draw. We're still going to be a part of it. Right. And it's, we, there's been teams and this isn't to knock on anything. And I am a dolphins fan. So I know agony. But like, for instance, we'll say like the Buffalo Bills, you make all those appearances at the Super Bowl, right? And it doesn't actually culminate in a win. Yeah. People yep. have been through tough times and you know what? It sucks. Right? And that's you... for too, right? I brought it up like the same thing with the Blue Jays. Right? Yeah. When was the last time that they won? Right. So, I mean, it's not... It's not just specific to the one team, to the one sport, right? This is something that happens everywhere as a sports fan. Right. And, and to go on that, Edmonton's been blessed with decades where you did have winning records with either the Eskimos or the Oilers, right? And now we're at a spot where that shift's happening. We were almost spoiled and now we're kind of going back to reality, right? Yeah. And if I can say something real quick. But I always tell my players, legit, because you always break down with your unit, and I'm offensive line guy, right? And which is why I'm not speaking on certain positions but on purpose. That's why I chose linebackers. <laughs> but, uh, like, whenever you do the breakdown before the game, it's mine's always the same. It's we win together, we lose together, whatever we do, it's together, right? Yeah. And, and I think – and it kind of sounds cliche, right? And for my – I got – coerced into girls basketball this year which was lots of fun and our motto was slayer be slayed right right which which was good but our the whole idea is if we're going to do stuff you have to be there for the good you have to be there for the bad right it's it's maybe there were good years maybe there's tough years currently but it's a whole part of being a fan right it's it it's cheering on your team even if you're detroit and you're a detroit fan and and you're on the 16th game or 18th game or whatever it is, and you still haven't won yet, right? right. It's, it's that whole experience. And we need to be the ones that are supporting the players. And if you look at the people that are filling Commonwealth, and I know someone's going to say Commonwealth hasn't been filled for – yeah, shut up, since the Pope came probably, okay? <laughs> Which actually wasn't that long ago. But it, but the people that are showing up to the games and, and the ones that are kind of being billboards for the team. Yeah. If if we're seeing less people do it, it's part of what's happening, right? It's just the way it goes. But we do not need people that are wearing elk shirts to be the ones that are constantly saying how they suck it, whether they're watching them at bars or whatever the case is, right? Being a fan is learning to take lots of slaps and punches and just rolling with it, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, to finish to finish off on that note, obviously we have a game tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen to the state of the fans. Uh, we don't know what kind of what what kind of comments we're going to see. Uh, we don't know. We don't know how the team's going to perform. We hope to see a win. We definitely don't want to see a loss. But even in a loss, like the Bandizi, the game day Bandizi says, when we all stand together, no one stands a chance. So yep. we're going to keep on pre- preaching the positivity as always. You know, you're allowed to have a bad day, but you are not allowed to harp on uh, other fans. You're not allowed to harp on the players. You're not allowed to um, 
completely trash talk the organization and coaching when everybody's trying as hard as they can. So that well, being, I, 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 oh, sorry. One no, last yeah. thing. Sorry, uh, you're gonna never invite me back because I talk too long. Okay. <laughs> no, man, you're here. <laughs> I think one of the things we need to really consider too is there's so many parts to everything that's going on, and kind of like I said, the hierarchy of coaching, the me- the game day mechanics of everything. If your game starts two minutes later than you were expecting it, some people that throws them off, right? Lots of fans that are making decisions or comments. That's just it. We're fans, right? We're not the ones that are on the sideline or in the coach's room for the game day or the lead up to it. Right. So our opinions, even though we're making opinions on small minute things, the effect can be a lot greater than what that little instance is. Right. And if you have a player and good on Ganey legit, but -hmm. if you have players that are being like, basically feeling bullied about it or it's not sitting right. Like there's just people at the end of that, right? Like it's got to change. Right. And I know we can do better. Right. And and we need to stand behind our team and be proper fans, not fans of this when it's going well. And Hey, I'm going to crap talk it because it's not going well. Right. I think my, my closing statement would be, you know, be objective. And stop being so damn entitled. Yeah. (laughs) We kind of live in that world right now that everybody feels like they're entitled to their actions and they're everybody's entitled to their opinions, not saying that. But when you feel like you're entitled to act upon certain opinions at the expense of others, that's a problem. Right. So I my my last thing would be like, remember, be objective. Be optimistic. You never know. Yeah. Your your role as a fan, your job as a fan is to bring positivity and energy and happiness and, you know, all the good things that happen on a game day. Well, and, and biggest of all, don't be a bully. Yeah. That's it. No. Yeah. Guys, this was amazing. This was a great episode. It was great to get some Steve insights some coach insight some fan insight you were amazing thank you so much for joining us today thank steve, you, steve. This thanks for having me of course and uh yeah catch us on the our next episode of the elks call next episode of the elks call next week hopefully on wednesday uh my name is scout this is kathy guys thank you so much to our viewers that have been watching the whole time uh coach vic Leanne, guys, thank you so much for uh, throwing some comments in the chat. Okay, guys, we're going to check everybody later. This is the Elks Herd signing off. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, guys. (laughs)